1: Time now for the Church of the Week, showcasing churches and pulpit ministries from across the greater San Francisco Bay Area.
2: The Apostle Paul spoke about being all things to all men that he might win some. Well, if that be the case, it certainly describes the life and ministry of our guest today. He has at various times been a firefighter, an attorney, a jet engine mechanic, But perhaps most importantly, he is a father, a husband, and a pastor for the last 30 years of River of Life Biblical Fellowship in the city of San Francisco. He is Pastor Robert Cowan, and Pastor Cowan, delight to have you with us.
3: It's great to be here. Thank you so much.
2: And uh, let me first say, congratulations. I understand this year marks 30 years since you planted River of Life Biblical Fellowship in the city of San Francisco. And any more these days, 30 years at doing anything is a milestone to be celebrated, to be sure.
3: Absolutely. It's, It's absolutely amazing how the time has flown by. I can't really believe, can't even wrap my brain around the fact that we've been doing this for 30 years.
2: Let's t- talk a bit about your journey, and it's, it's a fascinating one, as I alluded to in my opening remarks. Um, you have both, in terms of ministry and career, literally been all over the map, which I guess in many respects equips you to give you some perspective on life that uh, perhaps not everybody enjoys. Let's start first with the fact that you are in a San Francisco native.
3: Born and raised in San Francisco at uh, General Hospital. So yeah, I've been here through it all.
2: And a graduate of uh, Lowell High School, I understand.
3: Absolutely. Yep. Everett to Lowell High School.
2: And tell us a bit about your, your initial career path. I understand that not all that long after graduating from Lowell High School, you went into the United States Air Force.
3: I did. It was my intention to be a become a pilot. And so I thought to become a pilot, I would join the Air Force. Uh, unfortunately, i misunderstood some of the information the recruiter told me and um found out later that you don't become a pilot uh as an enlisted person you have to go to uh, officer training but it was too late i had signed up and now i was uh I was in the air force
2: uncle sam had you
3: <laughs> <laughs> they had me <laughs> yeah. so i was uh yeah i was a jet engine mechanic uh for the years that i was there and then
2: when you left the United States Air Force, what was the direction? Where was the Lord pulling your
3: heart? Oh, boy. Oh, that was so long ago. Uh, you know, when I, was, when I left the Air Force, I was young. I knew I needed to go to school. Um, I thought I would be able to go to school while I was there, but it just didn't work out. They kept changing my schedule. So I don't know that I was so interested in what the Lord was saying as much as I just needed to get a degree. And, and to move into uh, into self-sufficiency, financial self-sufficiency, because, you know, uh, our enlisted personnel are broke, financially destitute. And so I just need to make some money at that time.
2: And at some point, you made the decision to go into firefighting.
3: Yeah. As a matter of fact, while I was at City College, which is you know where I went after the Air Force, uh, the, the recruiter was out there with a fire engine, stopped me and said, hey, why don't you just fill out the application? And I did, and by the time uh, the whole thing rolled around, it was a perfect fit, even though, you know, I never thought I would be a firefighter, never planned for it, but it was just a perfect opportunity, perfect time, perfect everything. And so I was a firefighter for 11 years until 2002. 2002, yeah. Uh, I left the firehouse after I passed the bar and uh, joined the law firm.
2: Wow! So you've you've really had a a very broad and 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 dynamically <laughs> varied uh, career, I, and I and I'm curious along the way as you look back on all of this. Do you recognize moments when God was working on your heart to eventually draw you into the ministry?
3: Well, you know, you you mentioned earlier about leaving the air force and, and the ministry. Uh, Honestly, right now, I can't remember where I was in ministry. I know I was at the church and I was working hard at the church. Um, But, you know, I've been, I guess I've been preaching for 37 years now. And so I think I was, it was pretty, I must have been in the Air Force when I first started preaching. I guess I was. I never wanted to be a pastor, never thought I would be. Um, I just wanted to be a good, a uh, good church member, helped the pastor out wherever I could. That was kind of my thing. Uh, but along the way, I guess the Lord really has kind of shaped my perspective uh, to be able to uh, connect with people, to see people from different angles, to understand that everybody is, is vastly different and, and, you know, really kind of to work together, work with people in a, in a, in a conducive way.
2: So rather than this being a singular event, some pastors speak of a moment when they feel as if God had a very definitive calling on their life at this moment in time, for yours, it seems to be more of a kind of a process played out over time
3: then. Well, to get me to where I am today, I mean, it was certainly a moment in time where I knew God was saying, it's time to pastor. That was a moment, a very traumatic, dramatic moment. But to get me to this place where I understand how I understand, you know, yeah, it took it took all 30 of the years.
2: And that, that process, is that in something in your mind that God was shaping and molding you? Do you see ways in which your experience in the Air Force, your experience with the fire department, your experience today as an attorney that all play in and in some ways perhaps equip you in different ways for what God has called you to do now in your role as a senior pastor.
3: Absolutely, um, as a as a firefighter, and as actually all of it. It's one. There's just a tremendous work ethic necessary um, to be a firefighter. You are working. I mean, there's nothing like being in a fire. If you've never been in a fire, you have no frame of reference. You just leave, just pouring down sweat because it is just so much work. As, a, as an Air Force, an airman, you know, more work. It was just a lot of work, late, a lot of days, a lot of hours, dedication, uh, patriotism. Uh, all this comes into play, and certainly as an attorney, uh, you can't tell on TV, but really, it's a lot of, it's a lot of work. So I think uh, one of the things that I learned in all this, besides helping and working with people, is just a work ethic. You just got to work your tongue out.
2: If folks are new to the San Francisco Bay Area, they're looking for a new church home. Tell us a bit about the ministry of River of Life Biblical Fellowship there in San Francisco.
3: Well, River of Life is really a a wonderful place. I I love the people there. Uh, They are are growing uh, spiritually with a desire to to do more for the Lord. We have several, uh, well, let me just say, our our demographic are people, you know, Basically, who are been in the projects for generations. Um, there's a lot of underemployment, undereducation, uh, a lot of uh, uh, conflict and pain, and and alcohol and substance abuse and all that kind of stuff. So when people come to come, uh, when often when people come to River of Life from our community, they are broken, and and you know we already know the Lord is a healer, He is a deliverer, He is a restorer, and He does that work in in the in the uh, in our in our community in our culture, so we have several programs for for the people that are in our community. For example, we have what we call Money School, and Money School is where you come and learn about personal finances. You learn how to start a business. You learn how to draft the business plan. Uh, you we read books. We teach on on finances, investing, uh, business, leadership, etc. So you know the. People who who have no understanding, no knowledge of these principles, you know, maybe lived on welfare for two or three generations, are learning how to manage their finances, start businesses, et cetera. We've had, you know, probably about ten businesses that have started from the church, uh, from this from this program. It's really been transformative. We also have, uh, for example, the what we call the Kingdom Offensive, where if you if if you desire to really work for the Lord. Uh, you want to uh, do ministry full time for God, but you just can't figure out how to do it. Well, the Kingdom Offensive is a program where you come, again, write a plan out, and we help you get that thing started so that uh, you know you can you can do it. You know how to fund it, you know how to run it, and uh, so that it's not uh, it's not really even a part of the church. It's really you and your lifelong goal to serve the Lord in this way. And so, you know, we have, for example. Um, the book club, the River of Cold, River of Cold is where one of our ministers, he wants to teach kids how to do coding. And so, you know, this is long-term goal that he wants to to, just help our community and the children to to become programmers. So, you know, he started it, him and his wife, and, uh, you know, they're holding classes. Uh, We have uh, these kinds of, of programs where people are wherever they used to be, they're learning what they need to learn to invest in the kingdom, to be a part of the kingdom of of God, expanding the kingdom in Visitation Valley and throughout San Francisco. So really
2: that that broader, um, uh, almost holistic, W-H-O-L-E, holistic approach that addresses, most importantly, foundationally one's spiritual life, but then all these other things that's just part of everyday living, managing a budget, going to work, planning, uh, doing all of that that's entailed in, in, in our experience here on the terra firma uh, until the Lord, uh, you know, uh, call us home. And so taking that approach that really addresses every aspect, uh, that makes uh, certainly the ministry of River Life biblical fellowship very
3: unique in that regard. Well, absolutely. But, you know, it would do us no good where if all we did was help people to read the Bible, but did not help them to eat, help them to feed themselves, uh, help them to understand how to how to do better. You know, I I saw a a disturbing YouTube video one time where the guy was talking about when you go into all these uh, poor areas of, of, of America and you see all these churches on every corner. And why is it that you have a church in every corner, but the community is not, is not growing, is not doing better? There's no, there's no increase, but, you know, the pastor's driving a Cadillac or whatever. And so, you know, I wanted to make sure that at River of Life, where we are, we are there to transform the community. We're there to help people uh, become functional and, and, and equipped to uh, enter the, the culture in a, in a positive way for the Lord. And and not always to be looked down upon, but to be able to have a good conversation about on any subject and to be a, an attribute, an asset.
2: Making a difference. And that's really what it comes down to. If you've just joined our conversation, Reverend Robert Cowan is with us today. He is Senior Pastor of River of Life Biblical Fellowship. They meet at 1430 Sunnydale Avenue in San Francisco. And you can get information about the ministry online at SF. Dot O-R-G. that's river of life sf dot during this time of covid pastor are uh, in addition to uh, I would imagine modified services are you also doing services online
3: yep yeah, we are online we uh, actually we have facebook uh, that's uh, river river of life church uh, on facebook and um, we also we just switched to youtube and so that is river of life. Excuse me, River of Life SF on YouTube, and love for people to subscribe uh, to our YouTube channel.
2: Well, we invite folks also to get more information about the ministry. Again, if you're new to the San Francisco Bay Area and looking for a church home, we encourage you to explore more of the ministry of River of Life Biblical Fellowship in San Francisco. Again, information available on the web at River of Life SF for San Francisco, River of Life SF dot Our thanks to Pastor Robert Cowan, the Senior Pastor of River of Life Biblical Fellowship, for being with us today. Pastor, it's been a delight to get a chance to spend some time with you again.
3: Thank you so much, and I hope you have a great day. Psalm 119, and we're going to begin at verse 25. My soul cleaves unto the dust, quicken thou me according to your word. I have declared my ways, I'm sorry, I have declared, yeah, I have declared my ways and you heard me. Teach me your statutes. Make me to understand the way of thy precepts, so shall I talk of your wondrous works. My soul melts for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according unto your word. Remove from me the way of lying, and grant me your law graciously. I've chosen the way of truth. Your judgments have I laid before me. I have stuck unto your testimonies. O Lord, don't put me to shame. I will run the way of your commandments when you shall enlarge my heart. All right. Verse 25, he talks about my soul, cleaves to the dust my soul cleaves to the dust and then in verse 28 my soul melts for heaviness all right and 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 then it goes on to talk about verse 29 remove from me the way of lying and so what i want you to see about these two passages is and the first one verse 25 he is talking about his emotional distress that he is in a bad way in his mind his heart is so down that it, that it is beyond his ability to get back under control, right? And, and so this is not like something flighty or easy or quick. He's in such a, 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 a panic. He's in such a fear. He's in such a state in his mind that, that his it's just running away, out of control, and he is just helpless sitting there, right? So we're reminded of Job when Job... Uh, found out that he lost his whole family, lost all his wealth, and lost all of his status. And and the Bible says he sat down. And then when when his body was destroyed and, and he was in horrible pain, he just sat down in the dust, and he stayed there for seven days without moving. Right. And so this is the picture that we see here when he says my soul cleaves. It's not just it's not just sitting on the ground. It is me sitting on the ground is really a, a picture of what's going on in my heart. I am on the ground. I am in the dust. I am I am helpless in my mind. I'm, I'm dead. I got no hope. I got no joy. I, got, I have no hope of any joy ever again. And so you can kind of sense this this, 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 uh, you know, talking about the depression and, and panic and anxiety and fear that's just taking control, out of control, so that now he's just left with nothing. All right? So that's verse 25. Then in verse 28, he talks about, again, his heart melting, but now he gives a reason. And the reason is because apparently he's got a problem with lying. He can't, he, he this sin is on him. He's, he's, he, he, he can't stop himself from uttering these things that are not true, right? He's finding himself in a situation, and maybe, you know, he planned to tell the truth, but the truth seems so overwhelming, and if he does it, if he says the truth, he's going to get in trouble, or maybe he's going to be killed, or who knows what it is, but he brings up this issue, God this lying, is just getting to me, and it's weighing me down. It's got my heart heavy, and I don't know that, you know, you might know, Uh, what it's like to be overcome by your own sin, by your own sense of, I can't help myself. I wish I didn't do what I'm doing. I want to stop doing what I've been doing, but I just can't find a way. And it can be discouraging when you can't stop doing what you know you ought not do. It can be discouraging, and it can lead you to depression. It can cause you to want to give up and just throw in the towel. and, and, And like he says, my heart is just melted my heart is just broken because of the sin that I just can't get over right and so when we when we when we look at this, I don't want you to think that this is light stuff. I don't want you to think that this is just like you know uh, he told a little white lie and it's bothering. This is not what's going on here. Um, he knows God's word. He knows God's word so this is not a pagan, this is not a heathen this is not somebody that is unfamiliar with the Lord. This is somebody that is, he knows God. And yet here he is in this situation. Yet here he is in this panic, in this anxiety, in this depression. He's in this anger, this rage, and he can't, he can't figure out how to bring his emotions back under control. Here he is in this sin, and he doesn't know how to get his sin under control. So we got these two things. We got the emotional issue, and we have the sin issue. We have, the, we have the heart issue, and we have the behavior issue. And, and what, what, what comes to my mind for us believers is the reality that so many of us trust God for our eternal salvation, but don't know God can help us in these two areas. We trust God to give us a parking space, but we don't trust God to help us out of our panic, our anxiety, our fear, or some sin. Matter of fact, many times when we're dealing with a sin, we go to God as if he can't really do it. We've got to find another way out of it because really, if he could have, it would have already happened by, you know, a zap uh, from heaven, a lightning bolt coming down, there was no lightning bolt, and so here I am still stuck in this habit, I wish I could break it, I can't break it, let me, uh, let me, let me get a patch, let me get some gum, let me, um, let me get some counseling, let me get, right, so now we start employing all the, the tools that we can figure out, because in, in the end, really, we're not sure, we're not sure that God is able we're not sure, and we approach it with this uncertainty. We approach it as if, you know, sometimes it happens, but it's a miracle, and, and not, not with expectation, right? So that's why I love this part of the psalm, because I can appreciate I can identify with this guy who knows the Lord, knows the law. He knows God's, God's commands, his judgments, his testimonies, and yet he has, he, has, he has identified for us what we need to identify for ourselves. And that is this, that God can do it. That God can do it. We need to know that and and have no doubt that the Lord is able to deliver you from your emotional issues. My God, I'm saying it, and it seems like it ought to be obvious, but it is not obvious. Because saints walk around every day, in and out and act as if what they're going through is insurmountable, even to the Lord. But it is not. It is not. I don't care. I don't care what it is you're going through. You can name any any issue in your mind, any issue in your heart. You need to know and be sure and confident, have faith in God, that he is able to relieve you of that emotional issue that you have. He is able, right? So so if you are stricken by fear, you need to know God can alleviate your fear so that you you are not afraid of anything anymore. Anymore. It's just no longer an issue in your life. God is able to do that. You need to know that. You need to know that God, he is able to alleviate and relieve you of your anxiety and your panic. He is able to do it. I don't care what the doctor said. I don't care how long you've had it. I don't care how besetting an issue it has been. You need to know God is able. God is is able. He is able. He is able. He is able. If you have depression and, and you, you thinking about committing suicide, if you have rage issues and no matter what it just seems like you just fly off the handle and you just can't get a hold of it, this is where this man is. He said, look, man, my soul's in the dust. My heart is melting. I am, I am just broken up. I am, I'm in a bad way on this thing, and I need some help. And the same thing goes when you got a sin that just seems like you can't you can't let it go. You can't stop. Every time you turn around, you find yourself in the same spot. And you might determine in your mind, I'm never gonna do that again. And yet here you are doing the same thing over and over again, reaping the same consequences, or even worse, feeling guilty, feeling bad, feeling stupid, feeling like this, like, like like you know my salvation is nothing, it's not real, and that's the thing about it. So- And what happens is in these failures, repeated failures, we start looking at God as if he's not able to do it because he did not do it the last time. And the reality is that he didn't do it because of some stuff that's going on with us. It's not that God's hands got shorter. It's not that his power is limited. It's not that there's something about you that makes you so special that God can do it. Listen, God has been using unqualified people to do wonderful things for a long time. God has been saving the worst of the worst and making them the best of the best for a long time. God is mighty to save, and he is yet able to deliver you from whatever it is that's got you bound. You need to know that. I don't care what the devil tell you. The devil is a lie, and if your flesh is rising up, your flesh is a lie too. Your own mind will lie to you and tell you there's no hope. And you're going to die with this thing because the Lord is not going to deliver you from it until you get to heaven. No, 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 no. God is a deliverer. God is a deliverer. God is a deliverer. He's a deliverer. He's mighty to save. Right, And we need to reject this idea that he wants to leave you in a place of brokenness and bondage and these habits and all these this, this, this syndromes and dynamics that just render you in the, in the dust, in the dirt, down where the devil can keep you bound. No. Reject that. Right? So it comes to this place where do you believe it? Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Right, so so we, it's easy to talk about, easy to say, you know, easy to sing the songs, but when it comes to it, are you walking in the confidence of knowing that God's word is true? So look at what he says. In verse 26, in verse 25 he says, My soul cleaves to the dust, quicken thou me according to your word. Like, your word says I can get out of this. So, Wake me up. Give me life. I'm clinging. I'm barely able to move right now. I'm in a bad situation, but your word says I don't have to be here. So revive me. Come on, everybody say revive me. Right? Your word says that I don't have to be here. Revive me. Your word says, and see, the good thing about the Lord is he is not a man that he should lie. Oh my God, that whatever he says, it is true. If he said he would, he will do it. His word is good, his promises are true. Glory, glory to his name. So we need to understand that that this man is teaching us something, and what he's saying is, I'm in this pit, I'm in this place, I can't get myself out according to your word. Wake me up. Restore me, resuscitate me, give me... Glory to God. All right, so so let's look at some scriptures. Because I want us, uh, we're going to look at these scriptures, and I want us to kind of think, do I believe this? So even if you don't say you don't believe it, you got to make sure you do believe it, and you're not just like holding back, because you got to, you know, I believe it, but. I, I, yeah, it's probably true, but. And now your 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 but is why it doesn't apply to you. And, and so all of a sudden now you have carved out Uh, uh, an exception to the rules, to the promises, to the opportunity that he is providing all of us for freedom. All of a sudden now you carve out a little bit and say, nah, uh, you know, I could have that, but... And then all of a sudden now you've exited out. All right, so turn to Isaiah 26, and we're going to look at verse 3. And four. And so it says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. Who? Whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. So if your mind is going crazy. And your body is reacting because your mind is going crazy and is out of control. Maybe you are fear-stricken and you just can't move from where you are. Don't want to leave the house because you think uh, right outside the threshold of your house is all kind of evil and danger and pain, and so you've been stuck in the house. Or maybe you have some other kind of fear that's got you so that you can't do what God has called you to do. What I want you to understand is that this word here lays out the promise of the Lord. He will keep you in not just any old kind of raggedy peace, but perfect peace. If you keep your mind on him, if you keep your mind on him, and the reason he's willing to do it is because you trust him. Glory to God. Because you trust him. Not because you paid more money. Not because you showed up more times. Not because you attended in person or not. But because you trust him, my God, and you keep your mind on him, the Lord says he will keep you in perfect peace. So you're not experiencing perfect peace. If your mind is going crazy and you're feeling all kinds of issues, emotions, and all that, it is not because God isn't there. It is because you don't have your mind on him. And it says, "Stayed, stayed on him. Don't move from right there in his presence. Stayed on him. Stop thinking about the waves of the sea. Stop thinking about the wind that is boisterous. Stop thinking about how the earth is shaking. My God, keep your mind stayed on him. Glory to his name. On oh, the Lord, I'm thinking about God. How my God put that word in your heart, like like he said on Monday, that I might not sin against you. It is it is it is awful how we treat God sometimes like he can't help. Like he, like he is not real. Like we just discount him in the midst of our fear, in the midst of our situation. We just discount God and we go straight to other solutions. And guess what? I don't care whether it's big or small. There is no other solution. It's all about the Lord. He's the only one. If you stub your toe, God is the one that's going to heal it or not. Question is, do you believe it? It's right there for you. Isaiah. 43. Let's go there. Isaiah 43 verse 2. When you pass through the water I'll be with you. Through the rivers they overflow you. When you walk through the fire you shall not be burned. Neither shall A flame kindle upon thee. We're talking about peace. We're talking about fearlessness. Fearlessness. This is walking around bold in dangerous places. This is walking around without a care in the world. Why? Because he's with me. God is with me. Wherever I go, he is right there. What can happen to me? What can the devil do to me? said, if you're going through in the water, you are in a situation that is drowning you. You can't hardly breathe. And a lot of folk talk about when they're having a panic attack or anxiety, they feel like they can't breathe. Listen, I want you to understand, the Lord is with you in that very moment when you are drowning in your trouble, drowning in your thoughts, drowning in your, in your what-ifs. Glory to God. He is with you right there in the fire, in the fire. He said, when you, when you, and I love that, he said, when you walk, not if you walk, but when you walk through the fire. My God, because you know what? It takes some fire for us to recognize he can deliver us in the fire. If you never have to go in the fire, you don't know that God is able glory to God but many of us too often we get in the fire then we forget about the Lord and take our mind off of him no when you're in the fire when life is burning you up when things are consuming all around you that's not the time to flee that's not the time to run that's the time to get your mind right on the Lord because he is there he's with you in the fire He didn't lead you to the fire and then kick you in there. He is in the fire when you get there, glory to God, and he is protecting you while you're there so that the fire that you're in doesn't even kindle on you. When you get out, you don't even smell like you've been in fire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we are certainly reminded of the three Hebrew boys who were in that burning fire. Hey, what's going on? The people that threw them in got burned up, but they didn't get burned up. Who is like the Lord? Who is like God? Who is great like him that is able to deliver from certain death, certain consuming, certain that the devil has you right there? I mean, listen, you need to understand it don't matter how dark or bleak the situation is. The Lord with you is greater than anything you might ever face. And the only question is, do you believe it? I will never leave you nor forsake you. Hebrews 13 says that. Do you believe it? See, if you don't believe it, it doesn't really matter. If you don't believe it, you can quote somebody else and hope they get it. But then when you in a situation, it doesn't help you because it do not apply to me. And I don't know what we do. I don't know how we twist it up. I don't know how we twist up scripture so that it does not apply to my situation in my, my time. No. No, God had you in mind too. He, when he said he had you in mind, he had your very situation in mind when he said these promises, he had you too in mind. Me too. Come on, say me too. John 14, verse 27. And he's talking to people like you and me. Peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give to you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. All right, so you think about that. It says, let not, as if you have a choice in the process. You know, sometimes it feels like we feel how we feel, and we got no choice. It just happened. The thought just happened to me. It just came upon me. I don't know why I feel this way. It's just part of my DNA. It's part of my makeup. I, I've always had this stuff going on. And I want you to understand, Jesus is, is making a, a statement here that we need to cling on You are not powerless. You are not out of the equation. You are not a victim. You are not a victim of your past. You are not a victim of what somebody did to you. You are not a victim of your genetic makeup or the way your mama used to be or the way your daddy was. You are not a victim. And you have a say. Otherwise, he would not have said, let not your heart be troubled. He would have said, I will, you know, fix your heart. I will help you out of the trouble. No, he said, he's telling you. He's telling us. You don't let your heart be troubled. You make a decision. Make a decision that you are not going to allow your heart to, uh, to uh, uh, bring you down to the dust. Your mind, your emotions, your thoughts. You will not allow it to melt you into a uh, uh, uselessness. Make a decision. Because he said, peace I give to you. I'm giving it to you. Not like the world's peace. Because you know the world's peace don't, don't mean Nothing. It does not last. It does not help. It is only temporary. It's only it's a, a happenstance. Of, it goes with the situations. It goes with the emotions of the time. And all that kind of stuff. Forget all that. It's not, like, it's not like the world's peace. It's not peace you can buy. It's not peace you can drink. It's not peace you can smoke. That's the world's peace. Right? And a whole lot of folks find their peace in the bottle. Find their peace in, in, in some weed. Find their peace in, in all kinds of substances. Or even activities. And guess what? When you get done... Whatever has you all messed up, it's still staring right at you. And now you got a hangover. And now you got scars, right? Now you got a black eye, don't know where it came from. (laughs) Now you broke because you spent all your money on that stuff. My God, glory to God, glory to God. So I want you to understand... Jesus is saying, I'm not giving you that kind of peace, so don't, miss it, don't mix it up with the world's peace. Don't mix up Jesus' peace with the world's peace. They are not related. They don't look the same. They don't act the same. The peace that God gives you is a peace that surpasses all understanding so that under normal circumstances in the natural you'd be going crazy your heart would melt your your soul would cleave to the dust you would have no hope you would feel so horrible and not even willing to get out of the bed but when jesus gives you peace all that kind of stuff is put down on the wayside because you understand that the Lord is still good and he's got you and he's with you and he's helping you even if you can't see him he's still helping you. He's working it out for your good. He's working it out for your good. He's he's working out for your blessing. He's working out so that you are better more like Jesus every day. Yes. Glory to God, glory to God. He's using you. He's 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 blessing you. And so when he, when Jesus says this the question that you got to ask is do you believe it He said, "I give you peace." Oh no. I ain't got no peace. I ain't got no peace. Oh, all I got is trouble. I got worries. I got worries. And if we start, my God, if we start right now, I, can, I bet you we got a whole list of stuff to worry about. We got financial worries. We got health worries. We got family worries. We have, we have job worries. We have uh, uh, whether or not we're going to get up on time tomorrow. You know, what are going to eat? Am I going to make it through the fast? I mean, we got all kind of stuff that's on our mind. Worry, worry, worry. Worry, worry. And so that, you know, where's your peace? And all of a sudden now, instead of getting the kind of peace that surpasses understanding, we're satisfied with the world kind of peace. The kind of peace that looks like peace, but it ain't peace. The kind of peace that looks like peace, but our heart rate is still going up, our blood pressure is still rising, and our anxiety is still out of control. That's what the world peace looks like. It don't help. It just looks like it helps. <laughs> you still got to go and take your stuff so that you can feel You can feel peace because you have no peace but when you actually have peace you don't have to worry about all this stuff because you're already good you are good in the midst of stuff and so that people look at you like what's going on how come you are not going crazy we all just lost our job why aren't you going crazy how come you're not angry when they just disrespected you like that, why? We we are we would all do we would all not take that. And here you are, and you walking around in peace. You got joy in your heart. You got a song on your lips, and you are giving God praise. And it's not like you acting it out. It's not like because somebody told you you should. It is that God has put something on the inside of you that you can't fake. And I want you to know it's for you. You got to believe it you got to believe it. you got to believe it. This is not fake. This is not, this is not just some book that we're reading. This is not just a, a, a system of thought, a philosophy. This is not, you know, just something passed down through the ages. you got to understand that this is real. This is real. Jesus is real. His desire for you is real. His promises to you, they are real and they are for you and they are not to be neglected and we are not to look God in the face and say, you lying to me because look at how I am. Look at what's going on with me. Look how messed up my mind is, my heart is. I can't stop this sin. You must be lying. No, everybody be a liar. God is right. Yeah. Let's go to Philippians chapter four. You got to believe it down in the core of your being. You got to believe it like you believe you're going to breathe in air when you inhale. Every time you inhale, you believe air is coming into your lungs. You don't even think about it. You don't trip on it. You just go with it. You expect air. And you've got to believe it like that. You've got to believe the Lord like you believe air is going to come in. My God. All right? Be careful, Verse uh, Philippians 4, verse 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And... The peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I'm going to read that again because that's just so good. Be careful for nothing. Have no anxiety. Stop tripping on stuff. Relax. Walk in peace. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, Thank him before it even happens, before you see it happening. While, while you warming up to it, you begin to thank God, my God, hallelujah. You thank him before you see him move. You've prayed about it. You provide your supplication. The supplication is just like the specific thing of what you're looking for. And then with thanksgiving, you begin to thank God about it. My God, thank God that you're in it, that you're surviving it, that it's not killing you and that it's not bringing you down like it used to bring you down. Glory to God. Thank God that he has not forgotten you, not leaving you in the midst of that situation. Thank you, Lord. Listen, if you got a sin that you can't stop, this is your scripture right here. Everything. With prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. And you can stop sweating about how I can't stop it and it's overwhelming. And I got listen, the real issue isn't you can't stop. The real issue is you wanna stop because God is a stopper. He will stop whatever's going on. When you come to him with that kind of prayer and you are laying out before him and you are letting it be known what's going on in your heart, the Lord rises up and he puts his ear to your mouth and he pities every groan. He hears you loud and clear when you come to him with your whole heart and say, God, I need your help. My God, the word is very clear. All that call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You will be saved when you call on him. Lord, I got this thing going on, and I can't seem to stop myself. Lord, help me. And don't you think for a second that God's going to sit there and let you call on him and he not move on your behalf. Oh, he's going to move. He saw you coming, and he was already moving when you got down on your knees because he already knew what you was going to say. Glory to God. Just don't, just, just, don't, just don't say it and be lying. I don't believe it. You can't help me, but I'm going to ask for help anyway. I don't want your help, but I'm going to ask for help anyway. I'd rather have what I have. I'd rather rather do what I do. That's why, you know, I don't even like that, that term. I do what I do. That's a lie. That right there, that's a lie. Right, That's a lie from the, from the pit. That's a lie from your flesh telling you that you are what you've been doing. Listen, God is a deliverer, and what we need to do is make sure that we understand that we are new creatures in Jesus Christ, and the old has passed away, and everything is brand new so that we no longer know each other after the flesh. I don't even know myself the way I used to be because the truth of the matter is when Jesus came into my heart, he made me brand new. I'm not that guy anymore, and I need not act like I'm that guy. I need to act, I need to be what he has declared me to be. All right, so, careful for nothing, but in everything, whatever I need, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God, (laughs) which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. All right, now, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5. You probably knew we were going there, so you probably already uh, skipped there ahead of time. 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your care upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. Have you cast it on him? Have you thrown it on him? Are you carrying it yourself, or have you given it to the Lord? you carrying all that weight. You're trying to figure out how it's all going to work out. You're trying to figure out how they are going to stop doing what they're doing. You're trying to figure out how that person is going to get the deliverance that they need. And you're not just trying to figure out. You are, you are carrying the weight of it as if it is your responsibility how they act and what they do and how that turns out over there. And I need you to understand, we belong to the Lord. The God of the universe, that's my daddy. He cares about me, and he cares about his household. He's got us, his children, under control. He got the whole thing covered. He doesn't just have me covered. He has the things that I care about covered. He knows what's on my mind, and he's already worked out all the stuff that's going on all in my mind. We need to understand and know that we can cast all our cares on him. He's not a God that is so far away and so disconnected that, you know, that's your little stuff. What you're worrying about, that's so little, that's so uh, irrelevant to me. I'm running the universe. I don't have time for your little stuff. No, he's a better father than that. He's a better father than that. He cares. He cares about your little animal. He, he cares about your pacifier. Glory to God. He cares about your bottle. Y'all hear what I'm saying? He cares. He cares about your hot wheel that you lost under the couch. He cares. <laughs> he cares. He cares. You know, good parents, y'all understand what I'm saying, right? If you, see every, if you see a baby, you see a baby and you see the parents, especially the first time parents, and that little baby lost something, you see the parents, man, they jump, they jump over the mountain trying to get that baby to whatever it is that they need. And, you know, it's It's nothing. Whatever it is, the baby crying, yelling and screaming about nothing, it's no big deal, really. But to that baby, it's a big deal. So, you know, they're going to they go do whatever they got to do, find that pacifier, find that bottle, change that diaper. You know, we, look, baby crying, you do whatever everything you can because the baby don't know how to say it. So you you patting, oh, that's not it. All right, well, let's change the diaper. No, nope, the baby's fine. Let's see, let's feed them. No, nope, they don't want any food. And you doing everything you can trying to figure out what is wrong with the baby because you care. And I want you to know that as good a parent as you are, God is a better parent. God loves you more than you love your child. And you need to understand that whatever's going on in your life, not just pertaining to you in specific, but about you, around you, what you care about, cares about everything about that. So you take that and stop carrying it yourself and cast it on the Lord. Just throw it on him. Just throw it on him. He got you. Jeremiah 17. All right, Jeremiah 17 uh, is reminding us, I'll read in a second, that the hardest is, is tricky. The emotions are tricky. It's not all, always obvious why we think what we think, why we feel what we feel. Sometimes I walk around and I'm in a bad mood and I don't even know why. I don't even know why. But then so I, what I have to do is I have to remember. Because I wasn't, I wasn't in a bad mood when I woke up. But now I'm in a bad mood. What happened? Then I just kind of walk through my day. Oh, Yeah. This person said this to me, and that thought crossed my mind in a flash. But I didn't really entertain it. I just let it through. And I acted like it wasn't an issue. But it's been in there festering. So now I hear 15 minutes later. I'm, I'm angry. I'm snapping at folks. I'm tripping. It's because I let this thought do something that I should have dealt with it when it first came up. You understand what I'm saying? All right, so... Uh, I guess they're having trouble with that one. Jeremiah 17, <clears throat> 9. The heart is deceitful above all things. That's cold blooded right there. The heart is deceitful above all things. And people talk about follow your heart. <laughs> of all the things that it is, Jeremiah said it's deceitful. And then he gets worse. He says, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's the heart. That's, that's the heart. That's, that, that's what's really going on. The heart is deceitful. Your heart is a liar. You can't go with your heart. You can't go with your, what's going on in your emotions. That, you are, we lie to each other. No, we lie to ourselves more than we lie to each other. You can't, don't follow your heart because your heart will, will trick you into some stuff. And so if things happen. And your heart will tell you, you can't handle that. This is too big. This is horrible. This is going to go bad. This is going to go bad. And all of a sudden, everything is horrible. And we are, we are in a messed up space. We're in a foul mood. We are continuing the cycle of sin because we can't find a way out of it because our heart is leading us into the deception and to its own wickedness. Then it says, who can know it? And that's a rhetorical question because the truth is only God can know it because we don't even know our own hearts because we're stupid enough to think that our hearts are good. He got a good heart. We he heard that. We, we heard that. You know, he got a good heart. That's a lie. I got a good a heart. I don't have one, and you don't have one. <laughs> really? Well, we, we got hearts towards sin. We got hearts that love to disobey God. We have hearts that hurt and want revenge. We have hearts that lust after things that we ought not even want. That's the truth. Who can know what it says? And so what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm introducing is this idea and this thought that we are not relying on how we feel. We are relying on the word of God. Because that thought can slip in there so easy and it can just start doing stuff. You can see something and you don't even trip on it. It got past your cognition and into your subconscious and now it's working some stuff out in you and all of a sudden you find yourself thinking some horrible thoughts. Doing some horrible things. Because those thoughts get in there. But my God is a mind regulator. Second Corinthians chapter 10. Beginning at verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. And this is warfare. This is warfare. This is the warfare of your mind, the warfare for your soul. Your body and the devil trying to drag you into hell, and you got to fight. The inner man, your soul, connected with your spirit, is fighting for your life. But we're not warring after the flesh. And we we walk according to the flesh, because we're in this flesh, but we're not warring after it. Verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not fleshly. Instead, they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So you might have a stronghold in your life. You might have a stronghold that you have not been able to surmount. And it seems like it's got you unlocked. This habit you can't break, this chain that's got you bound no matter what you do. And I just need you to understand that we don't war after flesh. We war in the spirit. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, Go, all the stuff that your heart will have you thinking, what if, what if, what if, oh my God, it's going to be so horrible. If you don't do this, if you don't do this sin, you're going to be by yourself. If you don't do this sin, they're going to hate you. You're going to be rejected. If you don't do this sin, all this stuff, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought into the obedience of Christ. That's how we fight. We bring these thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. No, I will not allow my mind to lead me into craziness. I will not allow my thoughts, my flesh, my lust to lead me into sin. God God is my healer, my deliverer. He is able to fix what is broken in me. If I keep my mind stayed on him, I'm going to trust him. I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going to trust the Lord. Look at what it says. Casting down imagination, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having it ready to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. One of these days, God is coming back. And for all those that did not reel it in, they're going to get the wrath. So I'm telling us, we got to reel it in because judgment starts at the house of God. We can't tell other folk to stop if we don't stop. We can't tell everybody else what they're doing wrong if we're still cutting up. If God doesn't deliver us, how can we tell anybody he's a deliverer? If God does not help us, grow us, strengthen us, uh, move us from where we used to be to where we ought to be, then what is this whole thing about? It's all fake. It's all cosmetic. It's all pretend. And why would we want to bring other people into pretense, into an act, into a play? All the world's a, a stage. All the church is a stage. Who wants to be a church like that? Who wants why in the world will we waste our lives on a stage when we could just go ahead eat drink and be merry cuz tomorrow we die. No it's real. That's the thing about it. Do you believe that it's real? And if you believe it's real, then you need to walk in it like it's real. Take it for yourself. Live in it. Breathe it in and out. The Holy Spirit, breathe it in and out. Seeking God's faith with all your heart, all your might. Because if you're not getting what I'm talking about today, it's not because it's not available. It's because you're not seeking him with all you got. He said, when you seek me with all your heart, then we, you're going to find me. I will be found of you. When you pray and, and my God, there's desperation because you got to have it. You are sick and tired of the soul cleaving to the dust. You're sick and tired of your heart melting for the sin that you can't stop. For the emotions that are out of control, then you will seek him with all your heart and he will, you will find him and you will be delivered. You will be free. You will be, you will be strong. You will be walking around like, yep, I was messed up but God, yep, I was broken, but God. And listen, what he did for me, he can do for you. It's time out for Christians. Our best testimony is the car we drive. The best testimony is the clothes we wear. Our best testimony is the job we have, the money we got in the bank. Listen, there are way better testimonies. Better testimony is, listen, I was I was killing myself. I wanted to kill myself. I was hurting myself. I was deep in depression. My heart was broken. I could not get fixed, could not get up, could not get to the life. But the Lord saved me, not just to heaven, not just from sin, but from my brokenness, my loneliness, my darkness. We need the real testimony of the deliverance of God. Satan had me bound, but Jesus lifted me up. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. We got to get these minds right in the Lord. God, I'm looking for you. So that's why in Psalm 119, he gives us exactly the course that we need. Right there, look at, let's go, go, we're gonna go through this real quick and be done. My soul cleaves to the dust. Quicken thou me according to your word. I declare my way. I told you how messed up I am, and you hurt me. So teach me your statutes. Glory to God. Ain't no need you hiding it. You know you messed up. Tell the Lord about it. He's gonna hear you. Make me understand the way of your precepts. And, I, so that, and so shall I talk of your work, wondrous works. When you, talk, when you tell me, when you teach me, I'm going to tell everybody else, this is what the Lord did, and this is how we did it. Then he talks about the sin part. My soul melts for heaviness, strengthen me according to your word. <laughs> Remove from me the way of lying. Grant me your law graciously. I have chosen the way of truth. I'm trying to get out of this lying way. I've chosen the way of truth. Your judgments have I laid before me. I have stuck unto your testimonies. Oh, Lord, put me not to shame. Because here's the thing. When you really trust in the Lord, the devil's going to tell you, if you put all your eggs in this one basket, he's going to let you down. And so here the psalmist saying, Lord, all right, I'm about to jump in with both feet. Don't let me down. I'm going to I'm, I'm gonna testify. Don't let me down. Don't let me say God is able and then you don't do it for me. Listen, when you start to depend on the Lord, you got to lean all the way on him. You can't just say, okay, I'm a, I'm a whole part of this and Lord, you take the rest of it. No, you go, you go all in. And while you're going all in, it might seem kind of scary, but I mean, that's why he says, Lord, all right, all right, God, I'm putting it all on you now. Don't let me go down. I will run the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. So here we go. You encourage me. I'm going with you. I'm going with you. I'm going all the way.
2: Pastor Robert Cowan, Senior Pastor of River of Life Biblical Fellowship in San Francisco. Get information about the ministry online at riveroflifesf.org.
1: This has been the Church of the Week, showcasing churches and pulpit ministries from across the greater San Francisco Bay Area. To nominate your congregation for Church of the Week, please email us the name and address of your pastor and church along with a link to your church's website to salemsf.com. Again, that's the name and address of your pastor and church along with a link to the website and email to salemsf.com. While all submissions will be considered, not every submission is guaranteed airtime. Thank you for joining us today and be sure to tune in again next week at this time for the Church of the Week.